everyone, welcome back to the Data Bytes podcast. My name is Sadie St. Lawrence and I'll be your host today. I'm super excited to have Kiera Anderson here with me to chat. She is a conversational engineer working in the design and de- development of conversational agents in the field of chat and voice. She's taught linguistics at UC Davis and also has a PhD in linguistics from Trinity College, Dublin. She specializes in harnessing conversational AI tools to design and develop conversational agents in the field of chat and voice. Welcome, Kira. I'm really happy to chat with you. Hey, Sadie. Thanks so much for having me today. Yeah, so want to dive in and talk about your study of linguistics and now working with, you know, chatbots and really tech and AI. Did you at the time know that's where you were going to go or how did you combine these worlds together? Not at all. So actually, I started my PhD out of just a pure interest in research, academia. Um, You know, my family is pretty academic. My sister um, got her master's in history. My brother got a PhD in history. And um, I've always loved just learning and particularly learning about areas that are not necessarily well known. So studying uh, grassfield Bantu languages based in Northwest Cameroon, um, I really just, it was kind of like a passion project, just, you know, I want to learn about these languages, I want to see how they work. Um, I want to see how they can inform us about how people think and how languages work. Um, but I wasn't tied to academia in the long term, it was a goal I really wanted to achieve. Um, But yeah, as I reached sort of the end of my PhD, I started to look at options in academia and options in industry. uh, And this coding element started to pop up again and again. Uh, So I thought, you know, um, maybe I should look into coding. Maybe I should look into this natural language processing aspect of linguistics. So yeah, I decided to, you know, take some online courses. I looked at Python. And I realized that I just really enjoyed the logic of coding and the logic of tech. I think it was really refreshing having gone through, you know, several years of this theorist has this to say, and this theorist has that to say, and and that's awesome. And I love that, but it was refreshing to have logic and results and creativity all together through coding. Um, so I decided to formalize that a little bit more. I did a boot camp in software development through UC Berkeley Extension. And yeah, that's how I sort of segued into the voice and chatbot field of you know language, syntax, semantics, communication, but also how do we program that? How do we use tech platforms to harness that knowledge and create good user experiences through voice technology or through chatbots. So um, yeah, it's been a really exciting path. Yeah, I love that um, your transition from academia. I think it's really applicable to a lot of our audience because so Mm -hmm. many people in our community Mm -hmm. are either have PhDs or getting PhDs, you know, whether it be in neuroscience or physics, and then add in this component of the coding tools. And I Mm -hmm. love your approach where you're like, you saw coding as a way to enhance your creativity and problem solving and take your existing knowledge in linguistics Mm -hmm. and then add in a tool set that's really 
created a niche for you. Totally. And that's what really surprised me is I think in the past, I saw those two worlds as very separate. So growing up, I think I, I saw the arts and I was always interested in drama and like acting, going through school and things like that. Uh, and then I saw engineering people and like tech people. And I loved, I always loved biology and um, sort of scientific methods and things like that in school, but I didn't really see those worlds as together. I thought you had to choose. And so when I saw that you can use this logic and use these tools to create and to use that linguistic knowledge or my undergrad was actually in psychology and I'm amazed by how useful that has been too in this field. So um, just bringing those worlds together. And I think we often talk past one another, you know, even in the university, um, we can stay in our own lanes too much. <laughs> and so it's been amazing to sort of bring all that together. Yeah, you're totally speaking my language with, <laughs> I started in piano performance and yeah. then psychology and then in data science. And, mm -hmm. you know, people were like, wow, you took some major pivots there. <laughs> like, as you work more and more in the field, you realize how interconnected they all are and how beneficial it is. So it's yeah. great to meet another, you know, mm -hmm. fellow passionate person in these areas. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> So in terms of your work with, you know, chatbots and language, what would you say are the, the current major use cases for how people are using chatbots today? Yeah, um, there are a ton of different use cases. Um, I think some ones that are particularly interesting to me would be in, for instance, in the healthcare field. I think uh, both chatbots and voice bots are a really interesting application. So you know, with the pandemic and COVID and everybody's staying home, we can't necessarily invite people into our homes that easily uh, we couldn't in the last year or two. Um, so things like, uh, you know, medication management, for instance, reminders of you need to take your medication today, or um, you have these particular symptoms, whereas one person might um, Google WebMD and sort of have to go through the arduous process of going through blog articles and all of that kind of stuff. It's easier to hop in a chatbot and say, hey, I've got these symptoms. What could this potentially mean? Or, you know, did I take my medication today? Particularly maybe for an elderly population who had assistance of people coming into their homes and maybe they feel a little bit nervous about that uh, in the current times. That's a really interesting use case uh, to me. It, it's never going to replace a physician. My husband's actually a physician and is really interested in this field uh, of voice technology. Um, even with sort of physician patient interactions, your voice bot could use automatic speech recognition uh, or speech recognition technology to take notes so that the physician can interact better with a patient and focus more fully on the patient. So healthcare is one really interesting application. Uh, I would also say the automotive industry is a really interesting application. So a lot of us use our phones maybe for navigation. So you're sitting in your car and you say, take me to X location. But I was reading recently on, I think it was Automotive World, that by 2028, it's expected that 90% of cars will have inbuilt voice technology. So we can navigate, we can play music, we can call somebody. Um, it's possible to set the temperature control in your car just via your voice, which of course, for safety reasons, is 
a great uh, application of that. Um, and then there are the more like lighthearted applications. So in the home, uh, if you have a voice assistant, uh, family time. So you've got games where maybe over dinner, you're all hanging out in the kitchen, or you're all hanging out in the living room and um, you don't want everybody necessarily sitting behind a screen. So you can play a voice game. You can turn on your voice assistant, and the family can sort of hang out together and play a game or that kind of thing. So yeah, those are some areas that I find really interesting. Yeah, I, I really love, you know, that you mentioned the healthcare and the automotive just in terms of safety and what can be done there because I think a lot of times AI and tech gets a bad rep in totally. terms of like you know all the inequalities and things that it's causing but then there's a lot of really positive benefits to our lives from it and I mm. think both of those instances are are great examples even the family conversation you know we all need a little bit more humor and laughter in our totally <laughs> yeah and recipes like if you're if your hands are full and now that I'm a new mom actually you know maybe you've got a baby in one arm you can and ask your voice assistant for a recipe or, you know, play a game with the family and you don't need to worry about typing things in or using a graphical interface. Definitely. I love that. Um, so in terms of like designing a chatbot, where do you even start or what recommendations do you have for data scientists out there who want to add a chatbot to their company products? Definitely. Well, this is where I would, again, sort of bring together the worlds of sort of the humanities and the social sciences and then the tech world, because you could parallel it with designing a website. Um, you need to think about your user needs. You need to think about what your business wants to provide. And then you want to think about what technical capabilities do I have in order to provide this for my user. And so once you've established those kind of ideas, I would think of two areas. I would think of your design aspects, which is more maybe your social sciences, your psychology, your communication. And then I would think of your tech capabilities. So if uh, to start with tech, for instance, uh, you might want to think about, do I need to collect any data from my user? You know, do I need to collect um, if they're shopping in retail? This is the color that they're interested in. This is the, I, I'd like to buy, um, you know, a red dress under $100. What can you provide for me? So you need to really think about the kinds of data that you need to gather. And we use the terminology of maybe entities or slot filling uh, in conversational agents for that kind of thing. Um, do you need to build any APIs? So does your company, um, lack an API in this particular use case where you need to gather or provide information to a user. And so I would definitely think about all of those points. Um, and in terms of data, your chatbot can actually be used for data gathering. So you are being provided with conversational data, you know, as long as your user agrees to it and all of that uh, sort of thing. But how do users ask questions what are the ways in which they would request a particular item and so forth. So that's kind of the tech side of things. And then on the design side of things, you want to think about your company persona, your brand, you want to be in line with that. So 
you know, a bank teller, for instance, is going to be very different from the persona of a kid's game. And so you might, with a bank teller, be more formal. You want to be perceived as capable. You know, you're not going to lose my money <laughs> if, you're, if you're giving account details and things like that. Um, whereas with a kid's game, you're going to be more upbeat, more fun, more lighthearted. The formality isn't quite that important. So start with your user needs, your business um, needs too. What are the tech needs? What are the design needs? Um, and then I would get to sketching things out. So in the same way that you would um, mock up a website, you can mock up a conversational flow and you can think about how will the user ask these things? What are the kinds of data that I need to um, gather? And then you can go on to either a platform. You could use something like Dialogflow. Uh, you might want to use some code in the back end to customize things further, or you could use a no-code platform like VoiceFlow, for instance, to build your uh, bot in that sense. And then QA obviously is always a good idea to iterate and uh, make sure everything is running correctly. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, chatbots to me sound like it combines or needs to have people with a lot of different skill sets involved. I mean, you mentioned like the technology side and all that's involved there, then the mm -hmm. design side. And it feels like if you don't do that right, I mean, like, as you mentioned with the bank teller and the kids game, mm -hmm. those could go totally wrong if you don't have the design right or the tech side. So, yeah. So what are you seeing in terms of the limitations and challenges with chatbots today? Okay. So the first thing that I would actually think about is, um, this notion of the uncanny valley. So you may have heard about that where uh, technology or products that are similar to humans um, or are too human-like can sort of maybe put people on edge or make people feel uncomfortable. And so if you have any sort of um, a voice bot, a chat bot that is verging on similarity to human-like characteristics in a way that makes people feel uncomfortable, that's not a good idea. Secondly, when you design your voice bot or your chat bot to be too human-like, uh, then people have set very high expectations as to what they can carry out. And so if it's very natural, conversational language, uh, they sort of sigh and hum and things like that, your expectations are going to be on par with the expectations you would have for a human, which the technology is not necessarily at that point right now. And so it's important to not pretend that you're a human, that uh, people are aware you're still dealing with the technology. And when they know that they're more likely to be forgiving and they're more likely to interact with it naturally, but with the awareness that you're dealing with technology. Um, a second problem would be in terms of dialects and dialectology. And as a linguist, I find this really interesting. Um, even as you mentioned, I'm from Ireland and I have learned that in certain cases, if you're using a voice application, you do sort of have to tailor your language and tailor your intonation. Um, in Ireland, we pronounce our T's with more of a, like a bosh as opposed to a bot, 
So <laughs> you might need to tailor your uh, language a little bit more. And so that's not great if there are machine learning models are just trained on a specific population or a specific dialect. That's something that we really need to improve upon. And the fact that I studied indigenous languages in my PhD research um, just makes me really interested and passionate about that and realizing that um, every dialect is valuable, every language group is valuable. And the more this technology grows, it would be great if it could cater for more and more dialects and more and more languages. Um, I think that's really important. Yeah, great point. You know, I think a, there's been a lot of publicity in how like visual AI systems are biased because, you know, they weren't trained on diverse populations. Uh, you mm -hmm. know, the new um, documentary that came out, Coded Bias, really mm -hmm. highlights a lot of this, but I don't hear it talked about as much with conversation. And I feel like it is a big thing. I, I'm sure we've all seen the memes and the TikTok videos of like the grandmother saying like, okay, Google, and she has <laughs> a little bit of an accent and can't get it to respond or the kids. Yeah. So, you know, even let alone different cultures and different dialects, but even different ages have, you know, yeah. a way they pronounce things differently. And Definitely. I'm sure that all plays a big role in, in terms of how we interact with these agents. For sure. And especially the elderly population, I think that voice technology, you know, they are the a prime use case. They really need it, you know, as you're getting on in years, maybe interacting with things um, digitally or the graphical user face could potentially become more difficult. And so that's just an area where it could be so, so helpful. Um, but we need to be able to cater for, you know, things like speed and things like intonation and dialects and things like that for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, both of my moms use the voice to text often and, and yeah. we've all as kids now just learned to read through the voice to text and like okay it heard her say this but really what she meant was, was that and so oh totally yeah yeah my mom has this thing where she used caps all the time she's gonna kill me for saying that I'm like are you yelling or are you just like enthusiastic so yeah for sure yeah and I want to go back too to one of your earlier points because you mentioned about the um, the bots not being too human-like. And mm -hmm. I just recently actually was on a TikTok video, but it would just, mm -hmm. they showed a Google product release. Mm -hmm. And this was like their main stage and showing how you can ask Google to make a hair appointment for you between like 10 and noon and mm -hmm. then call. And then another one wasn't made reservations. Mm -hmm. And I remember in this video, like the agent, huh? I'm like, okay, yeah, no problem. Mm. And and everyone laughed because they weren't used to seeing like technology do human mannerisms. Yeah. And so like, I was totally blown away with what it was capable to do. But at the same time, I get your point, which like, if I was on the other end, I almost would think it was a person. And then I may be frustrated once there were limitations with that conversation. Yeah. And I think there's a fine balance between that because we we don't want to interact with a voice agent that's just purely robotic and mm -hmm. doesn't understand anything. And I think there's definitely a place for incorporating that. And I think it brings an element, like you said, like it's, it's almost like an element of humor and an element of, wow, how awesome. Um, I recently 
read a book on this topic, the name is escaping me, but there are, you know, specific milliseconds of time in which we make these sorts of utterances like, hmm, and they're very meaningful. These little discourse markers are not just meaningless. They can express, oh, wait, I want to change the topic, or they can express, give me a moment while I gather my thoughts and so forth. So, I think it's extremely important to incorporate those elements, but to try to strike that balance of, is this too human-like? And I think that's where the humanities come in and that's where the social sciences come in. And it's not purely a tech issue. Yes, I, there's been more and more conversations in terms of like the ethics of AI and tech. And I think what we're seeing is they're getting into these spaces that are really more policy, social sciences spaces. So mm -hmm. the more we can come together, because it's not a black and white anymore, it's a no, very gray area. Definitely, definitely agree. And we need people who understand both sides of the spectrum. So yeah. <laughs> yes, definitely. Yeah. So for people who are coming from different backgrounds, but looking to add like creating chatbots and NLP to their skill set. Like what advice do you have for them in, in getting started in this area? Yeah, so I think there are probably um, two general routes that you could take. Um, if you wanted to solely focus on the NLP side of things, I would recommend getting started with Python. That's a great place to start. Um, you could take an online course. You could go the slightly more formal path of maybe a boot camp, or if you're in college, you know, take some classes in Python. Um, and then you could follow that machine learning, data science, AI um, pathway to really move forward in that area. If you're more interested in actually building the bots themselves, you might want to take the development route a little bit more. So you might want to start with Python. You could also use JavaScript or Node is often used in the back ends of uh, voice and chatbots for creating a more customized experience. And again, you know, platforms like Udemy, Coursera, and so forth, you'll find a lot of great information. Uh, or you could go the bootcamp uh, route again and uh, build those web dev skills and apply them to voice technology. Um, you could also just go directly to a platform. So you could go to something like Dialogflow, you know, read the documentation, have a look at some tutorials and just build a bot. <laughs> you know, it's always good to just get going and sort of get moving. Um, and for people who don't want to utilize the coding aspect, there are platforms like VoiceFlow, which are a no code conversational platform that you can build bots. Um, and you don't need to kind of worry about that coding aspect. There are a lot of great books out there too. Um, Kathy Pearl has a great book on design, designing voice user interfaces. Erica Hall has a book on conversation design. Um, and the final thing I would say would be to get involved in communities. So, you know, um, the women in data community is awesome. And I think particularly for the NLP side of things, that would be fantastic. There's also a women in voice community where um, you can connect with other women that are moving into this industry. Uh, voice Tech Global too has some courses on conversation design. So yeah, get involved with people in the area. If you can get a mentor, that would be great. Um, and yeah, just build, build applications. <laughs> Yeah, fantastic suggestions. I mean, 
I, I saw that you've taken some Coursera classes. I would definitely jump into Coursera now and again, yes. but then again, it's always that hands-on experience and talking with other people in a community that just adds so much value to. Yeah. And I know that you guys do mentorship at Women in Data. And, um, you know, I remember chatting with a mentor when I was getting started and it was so valuable, you know, just a, even a short conversation can set you on the right track and set your fears aside and things like that. So, yeah. For sure. Well, appreciate you coming on the show today and share, you know, mentoring all of us and sharing your experience. I think it's opened, you know, just my eyes a lot to how important design is in the aspect of you know, these agents and how important it is for all of us to bring our diverse skill sets into this space because we need it so that it fits, it fits the people that we're creating it for. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me today. Thank you.